Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 17, verse 20. As you're turning there, remember last week, I, I won't recap this too much, but last week we said, what if nothing is impossible? This week we want to talk about the same what if. We're, we're in a series where we're discussing living out our what if. Instead of living through retrospect of what if we live through revelation where we're glad that we already accomplished the what if that God had inside of us and we look forward to the even more that he has ahead of us. Verse 20 of Matthew 17, Jesus says to them, okay, perk up whenever you read that in scripture. Um, that's not just another verse that you need to just skim by, but it says, Jesus says to them, because of your unbelief, your unbelief. Assuredly, I say to you, if you had faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Not doing anything will be impossible. Continuing in the same forsaken direction that you've already been in is going to be impossible for you. When you begin to believe with just the faith of a mustard seed. Now, a lot of people, we've said this, a lot of people like to preach on that faith of a mustard seed. And if you can just get a little bit of heaven in you, ha, you can get a whole lot of earth out of the way. It, you know, you do all those things, right? But, but what the Bible for me is, is really saying right there is that in order to have just that faith of a mustard seed, it's going to require a little bit more from you. It's going to require a little bit more obedience, not sacrifice. God already sacrificed all that needs to be sacrificed for the rest of eternity. He gave his only son, but it will require surrender and obedience on your behalf. Because this kind of faith, verse 21, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. So what if we believe his word? What if we really believe the Word of God? And by the end of the day, we're going to give you an evaluation as to whether you really believe or whether you need to continue believing and maybe work on that belief. We're in this season for 21 days where we're praying and we're fasting. And I, and I hope that you're not just fasting for 21 days, but you are forming new habits for the next 344 days. And even if you're not fasting, I want to encourage you to focus on forming with us. Maybe you could just do three days with us or, or seven days beginning today. It's, it's not too late. Maybe when we conclude on the 21st or the 28th, you continue on for another week or so. However, that God leads you, the most important thing is whatever he purposes in you when it comes to giving, praying, and fasting, that you obey, okay? But prayer and fasting, now I almost, I convinced several of you, maybe even for the first time or the first time in a long time, we convinced you um, with the word of God to fast and to pray, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time. One of the things I didn't tell you, okay, is that when when you do that, there are some other things that are going to happen, okay? And, and I didn't tell you that because it's like, you know, it's like that, that line underneath, that like the small print, right, right down there at the bottom, that, that when you pray and when you fast, yeah, the nothing becomes something, 
Um, and, and then you begin to believe God more and you can build confidence and break bondages and, and believe better and all those things. But um, there's some other things that will sometimes begin to happen. This is kind of like the seven day confession, if you will, because some of you have already recognized it. And, and I've heard some testimonies of some incredible things and I've heard some testimonies of some difficult things. Because when you begin to pray and fast without fail, no matter where we've been, things begin to be revealed to you. It's like the reveal, you know, on the, on the uh, HGTV and the, the home networks when they, they buy the house and it's the first reveal. They're like, asbestos lives here behind everything. And then, and every time that they tear down a new wall, they see another 10 grand pop out of it, you know, that, that's going to require the fixing. But then, because they're willing to go through the process, at the end of it, they've got the old ugly house, a big painting of the old ugly house, and it's time for the reveal. And they move the pictures, and it says, we'll be right back after these commercial break. And then you're like, no, I was tired. Then you watch 15 minutes of commercials to watch another five minutes of the show because you want to see the reveal okay now fasting and praying it reveals it can reveal and it probably always has for me the glory of God the glory of God like which I was created for not just like through the atmosphere and knock everybody out like I wave a towel and this whole row falls down that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about the life giving glory of God the peace of of God's presence, no matter my circumstances, reveals the glory of God in my life, that I build confidence in who I am in Him, and I believe God better. But here's what also is revealed. Did you know, I'm just going to let this cat out of the bag, okay? And cats are from hell, just to let you know, so I'm letting the cat out of the bag. I'm just, if you love cats, I'm sorry. Hey, you don't even have a cat, hush. This is, I'm just going to let this out, um, the enemy does not want you to grow closer to God. And, and when you begin to grow closer to God, especially through praying and fasting, the enemy is going to increase his attack. The reveal is that you see the enemy come against you and your home and your loved ones in a way that he would have just left you alone if you wouldn't have started being more committed in a way that he would have just left you alone if you wouldn't have started praying and fasting like that. But you can't. Because in Christ, nothing, staying that way, is, it's impossible. Yeah, things go wrong, but what you learn in the midst of those trials is that God is not subject to things. He's the creator of all things. And even in the midst of that tribulation, God brings reason. Even in the midst of that brokenness, God begins to make a way where there seems to be no way. And you realize, man, God really does love me. I'm one of the ones that he works things to the good of because I love him. And I'm called according to his purpose. You may have to endure the fire. You may have to endure the lion's den. But in the morning, you will see the glory of God reign through if you'll endure the attack. Here's the last thing that's revealed. The last thing that's revealed is the things in us that do not belong. What's in our lives that should not be. You see this in John chapter 15. We call it the pruning. And when you begin to pray and you begin to fast, the reveal increases. 
the reveal comes more quickly. But I say, even in the midst of the reveal, even in the midst of the praying and fasting, what if we believe his word? What if we believe God's glory despite our circumstances? What if we recognize the attack of the enemy and we put him back in his place? What if we welcome the pruning because I don't want that old stuff on me. I want the new and the new, the, the, the beautiful and the ashes to beauty and the oil of his anointing and his presence that is, is come with praying and with fasting. Okay? That's what I, I want to continue in those things. That's what I want from God. We want to live our what if. What if nothing, not doing anything is impossible? What if not growing is impossible? What if not praying is impossible? Not having a conversation with God consistently, because that's all that prayer is. It's not just me talking. It's me hearing from Him. You know, I pray with my wife. I, I pray out loud with her. I listen to her pray. Then we listen to God together. We communicate to one another about what God's saying. doesn't make me better than you. It's just something I have to do if I want to be what, where He wants me to go. And if I want to become who He has for me to be. I have to have conversations with God. I have to learn and study His Word. Not just for sermons. Which is easy for me to do. Because I put, a, I, man, I don't know, eight hours a week into a message probably. And between the two, Wednesdays and Sundays at least. And so I, I learn a lot and study a lot, but then I just give it away. So I, I have to go beyond that, beyond what's vocationally required of me. I have to go beyond that and have a, a personal time where I learn and I study and I grow in God. So that I can believe Remember? For God's glory. And recognize the enemy's attack. And, I, and, and, and look at that situation and go, okay, this is the devil or it's one of his minions disguised as a person. So I need to either deal with him or deal with them. Come here, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe sometimes both. And if I need to lay hands on somebody, you know what I'm saying? It's like, especially down here, it just feels, it just, get, it just caging gets on you. You know what I mean? You, you hang out here long enough, people start, start acting ignorant, and it's not like, oh, holy, bless the Lord. No, we're going to deal with this right now. Yeah. It's just because the caging gets on you. I'm Arclitexan, but I can still sense it. John the Apostle confirms this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. He says, Dear children, dear children, you know, we're offended by that term most of the time. I mean, honestly, if you, if, if you look at me and you say, hey, boy, <laughs> I got a wife and three kids. I'm about to boy, say, hey, but John, John writes to the church and he reminds us of where we have to be in Christ. Dear children, actually one version says, dear little children. Like you ain't even grown children. You're just little children. Don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows they're righteous. Pastor, didn't we read this last week? Yeah. How many of you applaud it? Yeah, that's why we're reading it again. Even as Christ, <laughs> even as Christ is righteous, that's, that's your belief. That's your belief right there. That you do what is right, it shows that you are righteous 
as Christ is righteous. Because you believe in Jesus, you behave a certain way. It's not that you behave and therefore you believe. It's that you believe and therefore because you believe in him, you begin to behave. Verse 8, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. That's unbelief. That's unbelief. You don't believe in Jesus, so you keep behaving a different way. The devil's been sinning since the beginning, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9, those who have been born into God's family, those who have been born in, those whose faith is where, those who believe, do not make a practice of sinning. Why? Because God's life is in them. Because they believe. So they can't, they cannot, nothing is impossible in them. They cannot keep nothing, Ning. <laughs> because they are children of God. Well, sign me up, right? I want to be a child of God. I want to be something. I, I want to accomplish His will. I want to walk in His ways. That's what I want for me and my family. Sign me up, Pastor. How do I become a child of God? John 1, 12, this is the New Living Translation. It says, but to all who believe, it's going to be very important. Remember, we're talking about what if we believe His Word? What if we believe, not just here, not just um, get around a bunch of other people that really believe, although those things are really good. And they're, they're beneficial and they will be part of the process. But to all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. To become. As if there was a process that had a beginning and a middle and a completion. See, before we build confidence, before we build a new building, before we build a family, before we build anything else, we must be. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. Don't answer because you may or may not get it right. Most of you will get it correct, but some of you may not, and I don't want you to be embarrassed in front of all these people, so don't answer. What's more important, your doing or your being? Let me ask it this way. Is God more interested in what we do or who we are? Is God more interested in what we do or who we are? Well, let me show you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. Again, I'm living from uh, living. I'm reading and living from the New Living Translation. Here's what Jesus says in verse 18. But the words you speak come from the heart. What you do comes from who you are. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and talking about other people when they're not around. I just want to make sure that you knew that that was in the same context as murder, adultery, and sexual immorality. That brings division. And when you just let it flow that way, it's probably not because there's something wrong with them. 
But there's something in, in my heart that would cause me to be willing to put myself in the same category as the murderer and the adulterer, as the thief and the liar. And then verse 20 goes on to say, it's these things that defile a man. Here's why Jesus said that. Because Jesus knew that who you are affects what you do. Can you see this? Okay, let me say it this way. What you believe determines how you behave. Belief determines behavior. Let me give you an example. My wife shared this with me, so she, gave, she, she told me that I could share it with you. When she was, I guess, 12, 13 years old, her mother brought home a cactus. Why? I don't know, because she's my mother-in-law. That's just what she does. I got a cactus. Okay, why? It was there. And so, no, it's here. Okay, so she brought the cactus home, and I love my mother-in-law. She's precious. She brings the cactus home, and Megan sees the cactus, but it's not like a, you know, shards and spikes. It's like this little soft cactus-looking what was it? You don't know. I don't remember what it was. It was furry. You know, it's like, oh, look, a cactus. And so Megan is like 12 years old and, and she wants to touch the cactus. And her mom said, her mom said, don't touch the cactus because you can't really see them. But it has little spines that will get in your hand like fiberglass if you touch it. So don't touch it. And Megan it looks so soft and so pretty. It's like the fruit that God told Eve not to eat. So she, she sees the cactus and, and she rubs on the cactus, right? She's like, it doesn't hurt, silly spinies. It's not even there. You know, she's just rubbing the cactus. Within the next few minutes, her hand is on fire, like fiberglass, and all these little spines are all in her hand. She has to soak her hand in who knows what to get it out because my mother-in-law, I'm sure, came up with this creative concoction for her to put her hand in to make her think that she was getting better. But the reason that she was willing to do that was because she didn't believe. She did not believe what her mother said. So her behavior reflected her belief or her lack thereof. Whereas after she experienced it for herself, when her friend came over and said, oh, look at the cactus, Megan's like, don't touch it! <laughs> because she believed now. And her belief affected her behavior. Let me give you another example. My kids don't believe my wife. They don't believe her. She'll say do something, or something else is going to happen. They do it anyways. My kids believe me. It's the weirdest thing. I say, hey, don't do that. I'm going to whip your tail. And they don't do it. She says it, and they do it anyways. And she says, I told you I was going to whip you. And she, then we go through this whole process until all of a sudden the German comes out of her and the heritage that was within her rises from down beneath. And she goes Side crazy eyed Adam. And all of a sudden, our, our babies, they become believers. It's amazing what happens when they believe. Let's listen. When you believe, it affects how you behave. Jesus knew this. This truth, I want you to hear my heart in this. This truth became a turning point in ministry for us. And it needs to be a turning point in all of our hearts 
as to how we see people who are not currently a part of this church. As to how we see people who, more importantly, are not currently a part of the kingdom of God. Because we get so focused on people's behavior and we're getting frustrated by the wrong thing. We should be focused not on how they're behaving, but the reason why they're willing to behave that way. We need to be focused on their belief. When we realize this simple principle that belief should be our focus and behavior is a byproduct, it literally changed the way that we felt about other people. It changed the way that we felt about the not yet insiders. The not yet saved. The not yet sanctified. The not yet holy. The not yet fully fulfilling the potential that God has for them in their lives. It helped us also to relieve the pressure that it was our responsibility to make them behave. You know, I only have one set of kids. Now, those babies, they are my responsibility. Making them behave, I will be held accountable for making them behave. But everybody else is God's children. I'm not responsible for making sure that they behave. I'm responsible for making sure that I gave them the right opportunity to believe and that they never use me as a justification for why they don't. Come on, somebody. I don't want to be anybody's reason for not loving Jesus. Now, if I get in trouble for doing more ministry than I did accountability when I get before God and loving people too much, then so be it. But I don't want to be their justification for being mad at God. I can't be that. It changed the way that we saw our students. When we started focusing not on what the students were doing, but why they were doing it, we harnessed all our energy Not into how they were behaving, but into what they were believing. Instantly, instantly those kids opened up to us and began to gravitate. Not only to us, but began to draw other people into themselves. Instantly they became more influential. Instantly they took more initiative and ownership. And instantly we connected them to Jesus in a way that they had formerly only been connected to us. Because we're not teaching modern day Judaism full of works and rules and justification by doing things we are teaching the new testament principle of the gospel that connects people to jesus gives them a passion and a purpose that they did not formally have and redeems them in a way that nothing they've ever done will no longer have any effect on them because i don't want to connect them to the regulations i want to connect them to the redeemer of all that was and is and is to come Did you know any half-wit organization can change how somebody behaves? Branch Davidians. You guys remember those people? Around the 1980s, that was when I was born. (laughs) Sorry. But I still remember the stories. And this guy, David Koresh, they built this these confines, and he was sleeping with all the women and having babies for all these people, and, and they all were willing to, to lock in themselves in the building and burn to death because any half-wit organization can change behavior. Can I tell you, and I'm not calling necessarily these people half-wit, but their organization is, is deception and, and heresy. 
Jehovah's Witness and Mormons are doing a way better job changing behavior than the true church of Jesus Christ. Any half-wit organization can change behavior. But only Jesus. Come on, do you hear me? Only Jesus can change the heart which will lead to a change in the habit. What if we stop trying to be Holy Spirit Junior and we just started being a follower of the one that can set them free? Now listen, I'm not saying that behavior and doing isn't important. That's not what I'm saying at all. We remember 1 John 3, 8. Let's pull it up again. Let's look at it with me. Just jump back up there if you can. I'm, she's so good. Amazing. I love hardworking individuals that volunteer for free. Verse 8. It's not that behavior is not important. Because the, the Bible is very clear. That when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. It shows their unbelief. And when, when we are willing to remain in sin, when we willfully stay on a course that leads to destruction, instead of becoming more like Christ and being sanctified by His Spirit, and, and refusing to accept anything less than God's best. When we willfully stay on the course of sin, it shows that we belong not to God. It shows our unbelief. It shows that we would rather be connected to the one that's been sinning from the beginning than the one who created and established the beginning. But, listen, here's the good news. Remember, even in the midst of our unbelief, God gives an answer. The Son of God came to destroy the works. Oh, come on, somebody. The works no longer have the influence of God's will. The works are not as powerful as the Word of God. And the Word of God is the one that became flesh and dwelt among us, made Himself a little lower than the angels, obedient even unto death, death on a nasty, ugly, sinful Roman cross. And verse 9 says, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. They don't just know good and they don't just know evil. Those are the things that brought Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. They now are connected to the tree of life, the Jesus that they were created to be connected with from the very beginning. They are redeemed. They have a passion. They have a purpose. And only God can bring that so they don't keep on sinning. They begin to walk in a way that they formerly didn't walk in because they believe in a way that they didn't formally believe in and they have the right because they believed to become children of God. What if we believe His Word? Now again, it's not that, it's not that behavior and, and what we do is, is completely irrelevant. It, it's important. It is important because it shows what we believe. But you can change behavior with conviction through belief. 
before you will ever change belief with condemnation of behavior. Can I say that again? Probably need to. You can change behavior with conviction through belief. So you can change behavior with the convicting power of believing in the gospel before you will ever change belief by condemning someone's current behavior. Focus on what you believe. Focus on what they believe. Because behavior is really just a byproduct of the real condition of the heart. What if we believe His Word this year? John 1.1 says the Word became... I'm sorry. That in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And it's just, that's why we're, we're folk. What if we believe His Word? Now listen... We've shared this and taught this a lot on Wednesday night, but I don't know that I've ever taken the time to break it down on Sunday morning. The reason that it's so important that we spend time studying His Word, learning His Word, hearing His Word, is because when we're doing that, according to John 1.1, we are actually studying, learning, and hearing God Himself. I don't know if I really believe then you don't spend enough time in His Word. I don't know if I really have confidence in that. You don't spend enough time alone with Him. You don't know Him well enough. You don't believe in Him the way that He wants for you to believe in Him yet, but you can, remember? Because the Son of God came to destroy the works because He knew that the Word was way more important than the works. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So learning and studying and hearing His Word, it's not just something that you do when you wake up and open up a book and feel better about your morning. You open the Word of God, you are literally opening the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is going inside of you and stirring things in you that you may not even sense or feel in that moment, but that you will need later that day or later that week, or that... Even better, somebody that God puts in your path will need later that day. And then verse 14, it's a beautiful piece of Scripture. It says, the Word, remember the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So by connecting to the Word of God, we understand that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the Word. He was the Scripture. It's more than just reading your Bible. It's more than just opening up the best-selling book of all time. You are opening up the face of Jesus Christ and fixing your eyes on the Savior, following Him with all your heart, and He will not lead you astray according to His Word. Come on, somebody. I am saved by grace through faith. I am God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good work. I'm justified by faith, sanctified by His Spirit. My yesterday doesn't determine my tomorrow. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. All things become new. I'm a son of God, more than a conqueror, joint heirs with the one that was laid at the foundation of the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Weapons of this world are worldly, but mine are divine 
divine empower and able to abolish strongholds. I have the armor of God. I have the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the shield of faith when the enemy begins to fire things at me. I don't raise any carnal weapon against him. I hold up my faith and say, look what the Lord has done inside of me. I got a breastplate of righteousness just in case my faith isn't strong enough that day. It hits the breastplate that Jesus has created and wrapped me in. And at the end of it, my feet are shod with the gospel of peace. And I hold up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The righteousness of God in Christ goes before me. And the glory of the Lord is my rear guard. I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. And the word that comes out of my mouth, because I've been storing it in my heart. When my heart changes in Jesus, my habits change on this earth. And my faith is increased. When that's who I am, in what or in who should I fear? When that's who I am, and by the way, all of that was just scripture. When that's who I am, why not behave? When that's what I believe, come on, why would I not behave? Because that's all that matters. So stop focusing on your behavior. And during this fast, just because you're here this morning, Pastor, I'm not fasting. Well, ask God if you're supposed to give something up so that you can grow closer to Him. And He'll show you what it is. Maybe food that reminds you on a consistent basis, it may just be a habit that he's been trying to get rid of. See, when you come to church, just then, as I was speaking all those things over you, your faith increased. You began to believe. You sensed the presence of God in this place today. Well, I didn't sense anything then you better confess that you didn't because the Spirit of the Lord was here. And if your heart's so hardened that you didn't sense His presence, then you better become broken before Him before you have to face Him and tell Him why you weren't. Because He's here. And He was here. And something significant happens when you get in these atmospheres. Something significant happens whenever you hear the Word of God. When you come to church and I speak over you like I just spoke over you, something was stirring inside of you, and it was not just your behavior. It was your belief. Because I reminded you of who you are, who you were created to be. Because who you are affects what you do. Listen, you change your belief And God will change your behavior. You help somebody change their belief. God will change their behavior. I asked our staff this question. When we first got here, we were setting precedent. We were trying to not just hear the heart of God, but implement it. Because those are two different things. 
I said, you know, most of my ministry, I focused on accountability. I focused on making sure that people knew the truth. It's just the truth that will set you free, right? Mm. But Jesus was full of grace and truth. And so, instead of just being focused on accountability and truth, we became focused on ministry and doing it the way that Jesus did it. Not with a title, pastor, with a towel, like a shepherd. Did you know that the staff of a shepherd was not meant to punish the sheep? The staff of the shepherd was meant to protect the sheep. We need to stop using what God meant for protection as punishment. Because nobody wants to be a part of that. But when you believe that though I walk through the valley the shadow of death. And then you understand that thy rod and thy staff comfort me. It changes how you behave. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Belief, it comes by learning. And learning comes by experiencing His presence or committing to His Word. I say this as we close this morning. I'm going to pray. What if, what if this year we believe His Word? What if we learn His Word Believe His Word and become His Word. This place won't be able to contain what God does through you if you'll just believe. Father, would you help us today, right now in this moment, to believe Help us to hear from you and to listen. If you're in this place today and and you know that you have not believed in Jesus because it's evident in your behavior. Maybe you have believed before, but for whatever reason, you stopped. And today is the day that the Lord has made just for you to repent, to turn from your sin and turn back to Him, to receive His salvation and fix your eyes on Him, make the decision to follow Him. We're going to pray in just a minute. And believe that God's going to do that in you, for you. If you've never done that, or you know that you need to make that right today, 
Would you just lift your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. I just want to be included in that prayer. Let me ask you another question. Because we've formulated this thing in our own minds to where I'm really not sure that our understanding is completely biblical. If you know that there's some things in you, in your behavior, that do not reflect what you say you believe, and you need the Holy Spirit to help you with that, specifically over the next 14 days, and you would just be willing to admit that right where you are, would you raise your hand with me and say, that's me, all over the room. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on right where you are. Would you pray this prayer with me, Jesus? Forgive me for my unbelief. Help me to follow you with all of my heart to acknowledge you in everything I do. Take my life. Make it yours. Save me Fill me with your spirit to accomplish your will. Let my behavior reflect my belief in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, could you stand with me today? Can we give Jesus a big praise? Come on, bless him this morning for all of those who lifted their hand. Listen, if you believe somebody just lifted their hand and received salvation, could you worship with heaven just real quick, celebrate with heaven with them? Listen, we believe in you, and we believe in the prayer that you just prayed, and we believe that God heard it, and we celebrate with you for what God, it not only began just now, but what he's going to continue as you continue to seek him and to serve him. Listen, in the next few minutes, we're, we're going to dismiss here in just a second. But if, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just do us a huge favor and write your name on a card and check what you committed to or what God did in your life? And if we don't have a space for what you feel God did in your life, you can flip that card over and write it on the back. And you can do one of two things. Even if that doesn't apply to you, if you just want to give us something to pray with you, we meet as a staff every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. and we pray together. And we lay hands on cards. We pray over names on our board. We pray. We pray. Like we're there for at least 40 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes more. And we pray. So if you have a prayer request, you can also write your name on that card, flip it over, and write your request on the back. If you don't want anybody to see it, you can turn it in to the welcome desk on the way out, and they will get that to us confidentially. If you don't really care, you can just lay it on your seat right there where you are after you finish filling it out. And one of our ushers, one of our men, or women that are concerned about these things will walk through and pick that up before they leave today. So take that time, take this time right now to do that. Hey, don't forget about the things that we have going on. Don't just leave Sunday and pat yourself on the back and say, man, I'm glad I went to church today. I sure do feel better. And then not let it affect how you behave tomorrow, okay? All right, if you will, just open your hands like I'm handing you a present and we'll get out of here. Father, I pray that you would bless us and keep us that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us, that you would make your countenance to be upon us, lift it up on us, and give us your peace. 
Lord, reveal yourself to us and help us to receive everything that you have for us. And then anoint us to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways. Holy Spirit, come into our lives. We receive you and the fullness of your glory. And we ask that you would empower us to be a witness for you, an example for you, for everybody that you put in our path. May we focus on belief and let it affect our behavior and the behavior of everyone else that we help believe. May we do it through servanthood and ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you. Meet somebody that you don't know before you leave today. And have a wonderful afternoon.